Hey everyone, it is Sean and we are back. First off, let me start by saying I'll be remiss if I don't say happy Martin Luther King Day to everybody who's paying attention to this podcast today. Um, today we have some very special, I, I think they're special guests. I consider them family. Miss um, Grover, Hakeem, I call him Big Brother. And this is like, we're friends, we're family. Um, but let's just jump right into it. So we're here to celebrate Martin Luther King Day and we know that Martin Luther King Day is a day of peace. We talk about Martin Luther King all the time. One of the um, quotes I actually just gave on Friday at a speech I gave where I was actually invited to talk about gun violence, um, Martin Luther King had a quote, and his quote literally said that you can tell, really, I'm paraphrasing, but you can tell the character of a person by not how they deal with easy times, but how they deal with the most difficult of circumstances. Um, and you two, and we'll have somebody else join us later on, but you two have had to deal with one of the most hardest times in your life. So let's just jump right in. I think we, um, let's just jump right in. We know that on December 17th, um, both of you guys, your life changed. And I want to just start by Mr. Hakeem. Well, actually, we'll start with Ms. Grover. Let's start with you, Ms. Grover. I want you to grab the mic and tell people what happened to you on December 17th that actually changed your life forever. Uh, December, December 17th, 2022, my life, my entire life, just was shattered forever, forever. And there was a big hole and still a big hole from my heart. And um, I lost my grandson, my son, as he would say, my baby, Malik Grover, who was 14. And um, December the 17th was a week before Christmas. And my family and Justin's family had something the hardest thing that you never, no parent, no grandparent could ever endure. We were making plans to funeralize our boys. On Christmas Eve, I was at the funeral home making plans for Malik. Justin's parents had to go through the same thing. That's something that I would never ever endure. Well, it's my world. It was my whole world. Um, it was my husband's granddad. We were all very close family. We loved Malik dearly. He made my world every single day, every day. He was very smart. He was very funny. He was very hilarious. And, um, he made me laugh, and he made me mad hmm. at the same time. It's the power of kids, man. Yeah. Yeah. Kids have that, um, my, my grandma used to always say, she said, Sean, you have the gift of being able to make me smile and cry all at the same time. Yeah. Um, kids have that gift. And uh, Malik was 14, but his birthday was January the 8th. He didn't make it to 15. So... Um, just trying to make it through every day. Just trying to make it through this life every day. Because Malik, when he's lost his life, I feel like I lost my life, my entire life. And this is something that you parents never, ever, ever want to endure. 
And, and my thing here is to please put the guns down. Please, please, please stop, stop the gun violence. Because you might think it might not be your child, but it could be anybody. You never know. So like I said, please just stop it right now. You don't know what, no one wants to hurt like we're hurting right here. That's a pain that you will never, ever, ever live down. Ms. Dakeem, you want to tell everybody how, how? Wait a minute. 16. Just your average teenager. You know, not saying that he was no, no perfect kid because ain't none of them perfect. Him and Malik, they play sports, kick it together, love listening to rap music, just do the everyday thing. This comes from a large family. Brothers and sisters, he was my baby. He was the baby. My everything. But he didn't get to do what Justin got is. He already had a car on his next birthday. He would have been receiving his car. I already have his car. I've been having the car for two years. It's already been there. Wait, we just turned 17. Get the car. So much he didn't get a chance to do. I, can I tell you about, this is my third one I had to bury. My third child I lost. I'm a religious person. How do I deal with it? No way to do it. No way. So, you know, one of the things that's important to me is that I don't, because one of the things in this segment is I want to talk about Justin and I want to talk about Malik. I also want to talk about some of the things that we find that can be solutions, right? Um, let's start, I mean, because one of the things that's important is that you talk about Justin. You talk about how Justin liked music and rap music. One of the things that is critically important is that let's talk about music, because we were talking about that the other day, right? We have to change the dynamic of what is being played in our music. Do you? That's, that's one of the main things. Because there is nothing positive about our music. And I, I hate to say this, but it's the labels. They won't sign anyone that has something positive. Can you, can you tell me any positive rap song that's out? No, you're not going to be able to. Because they are and reason why is the label. They won't allow that. They're like they're programming how you do what they do. No matter how strong a parent you are, no matter how hard you try, a kid gonna be a kid. Oh, and that's that's what that, that's what they do. The, the peer pressure, following other kids, you know, they listen to this. You know, no matter if you say don't listen to it, they're gonna find a way, they're gonna listen to it, they're gonna hear it. You know, not saying that, that that's what that music makes them adults to, but it, it just warps their brain, their way of thinking. Something has to be. I think something needs to start right there. So for you, Ms. Grover, you talked about the power. We, the other day we was in our office and we were talking about just the power of music, right? And I wanted to kind of explain this because I watched a documentary one time and we would talk about music. They was talking about the right side of the brain and the left side of the brain. And what we call the right side of the brain is the passive side of the brain, meaning that that's the side of the brain that really just funnels. That's the 
brain is what we call the functional part of our brain, which is what tells our hand to lift up, all right? What we found is that in music, music has a way of bypassing the right side of the brain and forcing itself into the left side of the brain, meaning that if you've noticed, most people, before they get ready to go out, what do you do? There's a certain mood that you set, music that you put on, that you set to set the mood, right? If I'm getting ready to go out, I want to turn up, right? You got to have music that's going to inspire me to turn up. As we talked about people who are getting ready, when they're getting ready to go on anniversary, we know when people are getting ready to go on their honeymoon, they're not playing no rap music. They're trying to play some Luther Vandross, some, uh, they trying, you know, they, it, the music has a way of setting the mood. So when we talk to young people now, right? Why is it so important for, for young people and for people out there watching right now, period? Why is it so important for you who have lost children to say to them that we have to be careful the music that we allow into our households? We have to be careful the music that we allow into our families. You know what I'm saying? Like, we have to be careful about music. Why do you feel like it's so important that we, we focus in on the things that we listen to? Why is that so important to you? To me, it's a form of brainwashing. It's, it's a form of mind control. With certain there's so much going on that we just don't look at the big picture. Not with just music, guns, and drugs, all that. I hate to say it, but it's it's almost to the point of genocide. You know, it a hundred years from now, hundred years from now, think about it. Think about where our race will be another hundred if, if things keep going the way that they go, that our kids keep killing each other, one gets locked away for life, everything. Other one, you have to bury him. He can't be. So add the numbers up at the rate we going. What about you, Ms. Grover? Like, why, is, why do you feel like it's so important that we start to control the dynamic of the music that we listen to and we allow our children to listen to? It's very important because we see right here what's going on. Right today, music. These kids are very um, empowered by music, rap, just, just what's out there. And, and not even music, social media. Mm -hmm. Social media is the main, one of the, the, the main things for me uh, because that's where a lot of this starts, on social media. That's where our boys, that's how they lost their lives, one of the parts, on social media. So with this Instagram, TikTok, whatever it is, they are very influenced by that. So that's not good at all. Okay, so we talked about music, we talked about social media, and I understand the dynamic, right? We One of the things that is interesting to me is that I grew up, I'm younger than us, right? And my friends over here. Maybe. But I grew up in, almost. <laughs> I grew up in a generation literally where I think about when I was a child, AOL came out, right? Um, when I was a child, my first thing that I wanted to do when I got out of school and middle school, I wanted to go home and I wanted to get in the chat room because of the fact that that's where all my friends were at. That's what we was talking about. That's what, it was AOL, right? We have a society now where I always tell people like, my nephew lives in a microwave generation, right? Um, they're not used to the crockpot generation anymore, like how we're used to things taking its time and putting work in. They want everything right now and right then, right? How do we change what success looks like to our community? 
And I think that's a big part of it because, you know, you talked about music earlier today. There's and no knock to the particular rapper, but I'm going to give lyrics, right? There's one rapper who made a song. He says, I just want to be successful. And he defines it and he goes on to say, I just want the money, the money in the cars, the cars and the clothes. I suppose I just want to be, I just want to be successful, right? And I, I listen to those words and I think that if we're painting that picture in our, in the kid, our kids' heads that in order to be successful, you have to have cars, money, money and clothes. clothes. But we don't teach them that in order to be successful, it's showing up to church on Sunday when you don't feel like showing up. Or in order to be successful, it's going to that job working at McDonald's. Even though you're only making $7.25 an hour, it's the fact that you busted your behind to make a hard-earned paycheck. How do we change that dynamic in our households? And then the other question is, even if you have that foundation in the household, does that neglect us from being here today? Absolutely, and we do. Uh, we do have that foundation in our household. Like I said, Malik grew up in the church. And, and, you know, a lot of these kids grew up in the church and their foundations, Justin, and all of us are here together, not just Malik and Justin. We're here to speak for all of these kids who have lost yes, their ma'am. lives. Yes, ma'am. You know, and it's, it's, it's very heartbreaking. And uh, the more we pull, we're parents, grandparents, the more we pull our kids, the more you have that music, the more you have that social media that's pulling even harder. You know, I have, I have several sons, Justin was my baby, and this every day, when I tell you every day, I just, I just, it was like I prayed every day, just it, let him make it another day, let him make it another day, it's, it, it's like that now, you know, because I got sons that's in their 20s, sons in their 30s, and I got a 40-year-old, you know, but things have gotten to the point now and out here where you literally have to constantly stay in prayer that this is making another day because the, the dynamics of the streets are so different. Yeah. So different. Like, I can remember my son, Corn Pontavious, he was like, Dad, when I get, once I get 25, I'm, I made it, you know? Wow. He, he said, when he get 25, wow. he That's made powerful. it. That's powerful. And I'm like, 25? You still a baby. Wow. 25. You know? You gotta, you gotta get, you gotta get to 40, 50. You can't say at 25 you made it. But that's the way uh, you think now. You know? And and they, they they think if they get to be 18, that they old. They've accomplished something. And they, they, they got somewhere. Wow. That's the kind of mentality our kids are coming up with now. And tell me, why is that? Why is that? You know what? When I was coming up, right, I can go down the street and I cut up. They didn't have to, they didn't have to know me down the street for mm-hmm. them to come off their porch right. and, and, and put a belt to me. You can't even say something to a kid now. You can't say nothing to a kid. You know what I'm saying? Because their mama want to jump on you, their father want to jump on you, they bring the whole family down. What'd you say to my son in there? And you said, look, he was he was doing such and such. They don't want to hear that. You know? So we got to get, we got to come together as, as a village, so to speak. It takes a village. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and go back to the old school days. Because that was working. That was working. We got to, we got to, we got to start doing research. 
I mean, when I say we got to start doing research, we got to say, all right, now, all the cities, this city, all right, this city, let's say this city right here, they don't, they don't have killings, you know what I'm saying? The, the, the worst crime, you know, is probably somebody stealing something, but not somebody getting shot every day and find out what are they doing? Because they got to be doing something right there. Something got to be, something is done, doing, done right there. You know, we got, we got to start doing stuff like that, research. We got to find an answer, you know. And, and collectively, if, if people feel the same way, put our hands together. We can come up with something. And it, and it definitely takes a village. Hmm. And, and you spoke to Martin Luther King when we first started. He was about nonviolence. This is the most violence I've ever seen in my life. Every day, every day, our kids, these are babies, these are kids. I mean, what? What is it going to take? And these kids are not, they're not afraid of anything. They're not afraid of anything. And, and just like he was just saying, it, it, took a, it takes a village, but the kids are not even afraid. You can't even say things to some of these kids. So I think some of these laws, some of these rules need to be changed. And I think it needs to start at the top. And so let me ask you a question. And I know you, Ms. Grover, you've pointed to this a lot. And um, you stay in the great state of Georgia. We call this the great state of Georgia, right? And on the flag, we stay, we stay in the great state of Georgia. Do you feel like Georgia has protected, or do you feel like Georgia protects or is protecting your child? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Definitely not. That's why we're sitting here today. Definitely not. We're sitting here today for, for Malik for Justin, for all the other kids that have lost their lives this year? Absolutely not. I know for a fact not, because uh, my son has been in trouble one time with the law. One time with the law, he spent the night over a friend's house, and his friends he spent the night out, out with, mother had a, a warrant for her arrest. So the police came in there, six o'clock in the morning, and so my son and his, and the, he was staying over the house with, he had two brothers, you know, sister, whatever. But when the police came in there, they find guns, drugs, credit cards, everything, you know. Because I guess his, his friend, mother was a young mother. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she allowed her son to do certain things, I guess, you know. And what they were looking for her for, I had, I had no knowledge of. And didn't know it at the time when he spent the night over there. But anyway, they found guns. And drugs, credit cards, what have you. So they arrested everybody in the house. They arrested everybody in the house. And the police come in, they called me and asked me to come uh, pick him up. And I said, I will not, and neither will his mother. <laughs> I said, there are consequences behind every action, and I want my son to know this. Right. So the police threatened to lock me up if I don't come get him. Wow. I proceeded to give them my address, and I said, I'll be waiting on you when you get here. But I will not come, and neither will his mother. I said, I demand that he, that, that there be some consequences behind his actions, right? And the police went to telling me that, well, you know, he was in the house, you know. I said, well, I know he was. You know, he spent the night there, you know. I, I said, but I'm not going to come get him. Y'all can come get me. I'll talk to the judge when y'all come get me. But they never came and got me anyway. I went down there on Monday, and I picked them up. Well, subsequently, all the charges were dropped because it was somebody else's house, and 
that's their things. It belongs to them. But the lesson he learned. But the, yeah, but the lesson he, he learned. You know, I wanted it to be a little bit more stricter, but that's my son and that's my baby. You know, the weekend I felt was enough, you know. But let me ask you a question. So we talk about, you just answered the question very, very sternly when I asked the question, do you feel like the state of Georgia is doing enough to protect your children, right? Um, you said no. And you said no. You I said, said no. Not, I could not. tell you more than that. Went down there when uh, Justin missed curfew. And she called the police on him. And they were like, well, we ain't got no manpower because uh, he missed curfew. She wanted, she wanted him in the house by uh, 9 o'clock. You know, and he wasn't there. You know, so she called the police on him. You know, and but again, they wouldn't do nothing. They said, we're not wasting no manpower to go get me. She said, I know where he's at. They said, um, again, we're not going. We're not, we don't have manpower to send nobody over there. Or pick your son up. And you know what this was? A month, a month before my son was killed. Just a month. And you and, and they and they said there was a curfew. Absolutely they did. But if there was a curfew, Malik and Justin were out at five. Five. At five. Five o'clock. Yeah. They said it was a curfew. But kids are still losing their life after Malik, after Justin. So this is still going on, but there's no no protection at all. They're not protected. So for those elected officials, because there will be some elected officials watching this, I can assure you. For those elected officials watching it, what would be your message as a as a parent? What are some of the things that you want to see them do? What are some of the things that they can use as we they said in um at the event that we had a couple of weeks ago, they got the power of the pen, right? So we're talking to them now. With the power of the pen, what are some of the things that we want to see our elected officials do in the state of Georgia? And what do you think that, what do you think is one thing that the state could have done? And if they would have done, your son would have still been here. Enforce a curfew, a, a curfew and I mean enforce it. You know, just don't, if, if it's, a, if it's a, a, a seven o'clock curfew and the kids should be in the house, don't ride past them when you see them. Put them in the back of the police car, take them down to juvenile. You know, you got to do something because these kids know that they ain't going to do nothing. They know that nothing going. there's no consequences behind anything they do. I tell you what. <laughs> I know a little 12-year-old. Just turned 12. Would never think this little 12-year-old was, was this little, little demon by looking at him. 12-year-old looks just as innocent. But you know he, what he does know? Knows the Lord. And when I tell you, does any and everything he want to do without worrying about no repercussions at all, right? Personally, I called the police on him about two times myself. And the police said they can't do nothing to him short of murder. I said, what? They said he has to actually kill someone for them to arrest him. Oh. For you, Ms. Grover? For me, is gun violence. That's my main thing, gun violence. Um, just get these guns off the street. Just please, please, because these guns are getting in the hands of our children, of our teens, of our, our little ones, our young ones. Just please, just this, this law that we have here is just, just not working, and we all see this. Whatever law it is, wherever it's coming from, the top or wherever, it's not working at all because we're seeing our babies 
Our boys, our kids get killed every day. Who is it not working for? It's not working for us. Absolutely. But if you watch the news, who babies are getting killed every day? Absolutely. Where do the guns come from? Where do these guns come from? Who passing these laws? Where it's okay to carry a gun without a permit? And it's like everybody get a gun. Anybody can get a gun here. And give it to our babies. You know, it, I mean, everybody's carrying a gun. I just don't know. I just, I just don't know. You know what? I'm sure y'all can remember how, you know, you used to hear about New York City, one of the worst states. Am I, am I correct on that? One about, of them. You know, it was one of the worst states, you know? But far as guns, guns go, I don't see that. The, the gun laws are so strict in New York you actually, people are actually scared to carry a gun. See, but this if is, you get caught with a gun in New York, this, this is a severe penalty behind it. And you're going to serve some real time. Here? No, not in Georgia. But this is the thing. I, I will caution, too, to push back on it. New York does have a lot of laws, a gun restriction laws, but we have not seen the gun restriction laws lead to a decrease in violence in New York, right? And one of the things that I'm passionate about, you guys know this, I feel like it has to be policy and it has to be programs. It has to be policy and programs. Why? Because policy is only in place. You guys said it earlier that the kids know the law. They're not afraid of the law, right? Exactly. So we have to change the mindset and the heart of people. And that's what I'm at, right? Like, how do we do it? Because policy is, policy is designed to give you guidelines for what you can and cannot do. Right? Programs is designed to change your view on how you view yourself and how you view yourself in, in, in this, in this sorry, society. Sorry, and that word has been tying me up all week. But I want to do both. Like, I want to be able to deal with the fact that we have to deal with policy. Like, one of the policies I think that we need to, we need to go after, red flag laws, right? We need to be able to identify if a person was locked up previously for abusing their wife, why should they be able to come out of the jail on a bond and immediately go purchase a gun, right? Um, we need to be able to deal with the fact that if an officer is involved in a police shooting and he wants to go from Cobb County to Fulton County, that that record follows him from That's Cobb right. to Fulton County so that we know that he was a problem in Cobb County so he can't just go get a job in Fulton County. But I think it has to be multifaceted, right? That's what policy does. But programs step in and programs say to you where like, for example, we want to do a program now around young women. And one of the things I want to do with young women is I want to be able to, to tell them that you have value, that you can be anything you want to be. In fact, I want more women to be in politics because I personally feel like women make politics better. They get things done way better than men because they're able to sit down in the room and put egos to the side and get things done. We've seen that. Okay. And, and let's stick on this, right? So we've seen that in the United States just recently. We just got gun legislation passed, right? Um, Joe Biden, the President Biden, just signed a piece of gun legislation That's right. recently. And I will start by saying this. I'll be the first to say it started the conversation, but we have to go further. It started the conversation, but we have to go further. So one of the things that when I talk about policy, like for one of the things I want to see is I want to see the state of Georgia pass a red flag law. What a red flag law is, it simply says is that if a person is a red flag, 
let's be able to mark them as a red flag and not allow them to be able to get a gun, right? right? right. And if you talk about red flag laws, what would that have prevented? That would have prevented the, the shooting in South Carolina when the young man went inside and shot up South the people in the church. church. He wouldn't have been able to get a gun because there was a record of him right. being a danger to, to our, to, into our um, society. Talk about these kids. If we know kids are involved in gangs, and these most police departments know the people who are involved in gangs, right? Why can't we red flag them so that they're not able to get out here and get a gun? We have to start somewhere. I want to see a red flag law put in place. When I talk about gun laws, because the one thing that Ms. Grover, I want to be realistic about. The reality is that there's no way we're going to go into American society and take guns off the streets, right? Our, what we have to start thinking about is how do we take what's already out there and how do we change the way people view it? Because people think that guns provide power. And the reality is that guns don't give you power, right? Guns take away power because that's the reason why we're here now. Because gun, a gun took away something from you. A gun took away something from you, right? It didn't bring power to your household. It didn't make you any richer in your household. It didn't bring any more food into your household or your lights. It didn't solve any of that for you. All it did is it made more of a frustration for you because now you shifted from how do I pay my light bill, how do I put food on the table for my baby, to how do I bury my baby, right? And I think that it's important that we talk to that part of it too because I want people to understand for you, like, express to people right now, how does that feel to go from getting ready to celebrate Christmas, buying gifts to your baby on Christmas? And at this point, this is December 17th when your children were, were, were murdered, right? The reality is that you probably already had gifts under the tree for them. How did that feel for you? How did Christmas feel for you this year? It was no Christmas for me. Me or none of mine. Oh, that, that was another day. Me and my family didn't do anything but mourn. Still mourning. So it'd probably never be another Christmas. None of mine. No Christmas. It was no Christmas at all for any of us. No Christmas nor no New Year. No, no New Year. Christmas, like I said, we were preparing, we were getting ready to have Malik's funeral. The day after Christmas. We couldn't, we couldn't even do, we couldn't even celebrate Malik's birthday. It was a couple of days after Christmas that um, I just, it was just too much to endure. So, um, no, we probably won't do it again because those memories are there for both of us, both families. And um, I just want people to know, parents to know, that this is real. It can happen to any, any of you. Absolutely. Yes, it's real, so please. Please, just, I don't know. You guys, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to take a quick break, take about three minutes. The question was asked to me the other day, why is the Reverend Timothy McDonald III Community Outreach Center so important to me? When I think about it, I think about Zion, I think about people like Cameron, I think about the children in Uvalde, I think about people in Buffalo, I think about um, the people we pass by on the streets as we come into work every day. And when we think about gun violence, when we think about violence, when we think about any kind of violence in our community, the only way we're going to resolve it is not going to be by looking to government and looking to elected officials because we know that they've been silent on these issues for a while, but we have to have a community approach to it. We have to have a 
community involvement to it, we have to come together and go back to the principle that it takes a village to raise a child or to raise up a community. I think that this center will be an example to what we can do in our community. I think that this center represents the heart of what First Iconium and Black Push and all the organizations that are coming on board with us stands for. It's important for me that despite the challenges that may come, despite people who may not like it, we have to persevere and we have to do it anyway. Because our children are too important, our families are too important, life is too important for us to stand back and have the opportunity to do something, but to be silent and do nothing. So, if you're tired of being silent to kids being killed on the street, if you're tired of being silent to people not having access to just a simple job, if you're tired of being silent on people not having the education to be able to get a job that pays them more than $7.25 an hour, if you're tired of being silent on people dealing with mental health issues and not having resources or not having the ability to deal with those in the space besides the jail system, if you're tired of seeing people deal with conflict resolution and not knowing how to deal with each other or not knowing how to talk things through, then this is the place for you. And this is what this center is all about. And this is what this center will combat. So join us on the journey. Join us on the journey as we change the world and we show that we can change the world by community first. So you guys, we are back for part two of this and I am so honored to have my sister, uh, my other sister join me. Because again, we're family, right? This movement, one of the things that's important to me is that um, to not just show up for families when we have these type of situations is that we become family. I feel like we're family. And I feel like we connect on certain levels, but it's sad that this has to be the piece that connects us. But we have somebody else join us at the table today, and this is Derrica. So she lost her son the day after Thanksgiving. We talked about earlier today about, do we feel like the state of Georgia is doing the most we can do to protect our children and protect our families? You guys said no. I'm gonna ask you the same question, Derrica. Do you feel like the state, like, do you feel like the state could do more, or there's laws that we would pass to help I got you. So let me ask you a question then. Let's go to, let's shift it to another topic, right? What are some of the things that you feel like you can do, each individual person here, to carry on the legacy of your child? Well, it's not what I can do, it's what I'm going to do. I'm going to devote the rest of my days here to justice, to if I can just save one, if I could just teach one to put don't pick up a gun. You know, that there, there, there are other ways, you know. If I could just help somebody find a, a better way of life other than what, what they got going on now, that's what I'm spending the rest of my days doing. I, I'm in the fourth quarter of my life, so mine is almost over, so I, I have no problem devoting the rest of my life to that for justice. And this is my first time ever speaking out publicly on, on anything. I've never been on a podcast, no kind of, I don't do social media, none of that, you know. So that, that's what I plan on doing. For me, I know this is a call for peace. And um, that's what we're here for. And I think, well, I'm here to stand, to stand tall for Malik, to not let his life be lived in vain. And I think for all of us, we're all, all of us parents, all of us moms, you know, we've lost our son. I think we all can pull together. We can't change the world, 
but we can make a change. We can pull together, we can stand, and we can move. My mic is dear. Mental illness very important. What I'm thinking about right now. I need we need more resources. Main focus right now. But my son fighting. I feel like a lot of these kids are fighting mental illness. They try to blame us our kids to the best of our ability, but they got their own minds. And it's a lot of people grown now who life is still messed up because of the fact. Y'all gonna raise y'all good, but y'all still can't take care of y'all self. And y'all are grown people. So I feel like mental illness is my main focus right now. And I'm trying to get every resource I can on mental illness to help other little boys too. Because not even, I'm gonna say little girls and boys, but since I lost my son, I'm thinking about little boys because of the fact society got their head all messed up. They don't understand, like, it's okay to go to work a nine to five, it's okay not to walk around with a gun. But they hear these, video, these, movies, these videos. They see these big boys up here with guns and all these weed, and they feel like, I want to go make a quick dollar, too. So mental illness and get somebody to help these kids, and these kids get counseling that all the resources my child didn't get, and y'all have saw the news. I have reached out to multiple and multiple of people, and I didn't get, I didn't get the help. And I'm not right to deny it. My, kids, my baby was fighting mental illness, and my baby, he needed help. And me, just me, wasn't enough help for him. So my main focus is you know, making sure these kids get help with mental illness and, you know. And you know what? You said something. And again, this is one of the things I love. So, let me tell you. I pray the end won't come out. But one of the things I love so much about you guys, and I really want y'all to, this is really coming from out of a pure place. One of the things that make my job easier is when I meet you guys. Because one of the things, to me is that I don't think sometimes you understand the strength that you guys have internally. And you said something, and I really want you to say it again, but you said that, you said something that we talked about earlier, and that's how you know God is in the middle of all this, because she said something that we talked about earlier, and she wasn't even here, and she said that I want them to understand that there's nothing wrong with working a job from nine to five, because what we, what I think collectively what we're telling them is that it means more to you. Because let me tell you something, this is very, if somebody gives you something, you don't care about it. When you go to work, when you go to work 10 days, 9, to, nine, nine in the morning to 11 at night, just saying, I used to work two jobs to take care of my children. So I take, I value my money, I value my money differently than giving money handed to me or a quick, or a quick penny. When you work in the feet, that's a different, that's a different feeling. That's, and you value, you value it different. Only time I, you know, we miss, I can give you, give you, give you. But that's what we, that's what we messed up with. Being a crunch, yeah. have to be a earner in the society. It's, it's totally different when you earn. Let me tell you another thing. My kids never earn. What you call it? Allowance. Because I, I didn't really care for that. Like, just get it. Like, I'm buying them like, the shoes. No, some people make their kids work for their stuff. So some people vary stuff different. I never did that. I always gave them, like, gave them, like, they didn't clean up. I'm going to clean it up. Let's be real, y'all. I was... I was because I didn't want my son have to worry about how he gonna get it. I didn't want him no committing no crimes, doing anything. No, I don't care if I'm dead broke. I have to keep on it. And if I think that he that he might possibly think of other ways to get it, I prevent that. I, I prevent it. I, don't worry, I got it. I'm gonna take care. 
I just want him to get an education. Because education is key. Young men. And young women as well. Education is key. Being in school, y'all. You're going to get there. It's a, it's a process. It's a journey. Don't rush it. Don't rush it. One thing we would tell Malik, nothing is free. Hmm. Nothing. There's consequences behind everything. So these kids need to know nothing is free. Tell Zion all the time. Like, you don't got to go. I don't care if you go to college or not. This baby with a diploma. All I want is that diploma. Because my son, he was in a, he, he had an IEP. And IEP is the worst feeling ever. When your son go into a class with three kids, and he come out that class and see everybody like, you in a slow class. Come on, he not going to come to school. So I used to just say, just go in class and give me that, give me a diploma. That's all I want. You got to go to college? It's people like who went to college who still, where we at? I used to focus, like, say, please, just give me that one thing. My son, I be 13. But I know I talk fast, y'all. I cannot, I'm not, I know y'all's son was 15, right? Y'all 15, 14, 15? My, my child is a teenager. I can't see that 13th birthday. Like, this the worst feeling ever, ever. But I pray that everybody got their child. You said you want to save somebody's child. Please, I need to say, save y'all kids. Save them. I wish I could have. That day, that was the worst day ever. The worst day ever. I don't know nobody who can ever survive that moment or that phone call. And for y'all, it's black women on Instagram and on the internet to try to bash us as parents. Yes. Bash, how can you bash your mom is already damaged? I'm damaged. They want to tell me what was I at the time. We have all like two and I have other kids as well. I can't walk around holding this young man's hand all the time. But at least tell me it's going to be okay with y'all to say she want to go crying to the cat. I never went I, I didn't even know them cameras in my face. I was just going to tell them, like, if y'all would lock my son up days prior, y'all could have helped me. I'm not blaming nobody. I blame myself. But it's, social media was, was, it's the worst. It was, like I said earlier, that's, that's it right there. That's a killer in itself. And I just want to say, too, like this mom just said, parents, please. Just know that it can happen to anyone, any one of your kids. And um, can't point fingers at no one, no one. So let me ask you guys real quick before we, because we have to close out, right? I'm gonna give you guys one last opportunity and we're gonna go start with Derek and we'll come around so we can get you a mic. Martin Luther King Day, today's Martin Luther King Day, today's January 6th. If you had one message to share with your community, what would it be? You have one message. And we'll start with you, Ms. Grover, because I know Derek could take, I know how my, my sister is. He's going to process it. But if you have one message for the community one and your message, elected officials today, what would it be? Nonviolence. Nonviolence is Martin Luther King's holiday. And he was about nonviolence. And that's what we need to please. We need to, to have nonviolence there. That's my word. Say for me, for these black men, for these black men out here, tell them the boys to go home, go to school. Don't leave them on doing something because you can't, you won't get charged for it. They'll get a lesser charge than you. Tell these little young black boys to go home, go to school, get it right. Get them, they get a second chance because you didn't. I'm going to say that each one teach one. You know, those of us who know, know it. Pass it down. 
You know, don't, don't, don't let them go astray. You got to do better. Got to do better. As a whole, we just got to come together. You know, even programs such as this, Black Push, not just Black Push, all of the activist groups on the same page can come together. You know, you know, you got a great idea about the rec centers. You know, your your vision is you have a you have a let great me, vision. Let me say something. It's not about they come together with we the resources we're asking for, they're not giving us. So if if he got good resources, they, the people who are gonna come to him, who we ask them for, they don't give us the they gonna, the resources can be there and still not there. You know what I'm saying? That's why I say they can all come together collectively. Come together. They got the same mission. Saying, you know, his vision is a great vision. You know, someone from another activist group might have a, a, a vision just as great. If they can come together, you know, the resources might need to come together. I don't know. And I totally agree. You don't need a group here, a group here. Just come together. Just like we're asking today, just please come together and let's work this out. Otherwise, we're going to lose. We're going to lose because this is literally a war that we're fighting. This is a war. Oh, no. I, listen, I, I want to end by just saying thank you guys for being willing to come on here and tell the stories of your love. Thank you, Pastor Shane. Um, and again, this is not about, this is not about Black Push. This is not about the Timothy McDonald Recreation Center. For me, this is about the fact that if we're going to make a difference in this movement, we have to change the mindset of people, right? And I want to challenge everybody who's out there watching this podcast today that if you believe in the dream of what Martin Luther King is all about, if you want to celebrate the dream of what Martin Luther King is all about, then we have to come together as a community. Um, and what that looks like, it means that we have to put egos to the side, bring resources together, and we have to be able to... And, and I want to challenge you this. I remember this story. We used to do a thing where we used to meet every weekend with judges from around the state. We used to have elected officials on with the, with the meetings with judges. And one thing that is never shaking me is two years ago, a judge sat in there and they said to one of the elected officials, they said, stop sending me programs you're not going to fund. Don't give me another program that you're not going to fund. I don't want a pay raise. I want programs that work for you. And my challenge to those elected officials that are watching today is that we want programs that work. We want policies that work. And we want to be able to take the voices of these people who are sitting at this table today because you guys feel the pain. You guys know what it's like. And take our voices and we want them to be heard. So we want to just, on behalf of Black Push, on behalf of First Iconium, on behalf of the Timothy McDonald Recreation, I mean, our Community Outreach Center, we just want to say thank you. Um, and we want to say thank you to everybody who participated and who watched today. And if you want to know more information about what we have going on, you can go to www.blackpush.org. But we want to encourage you that as we celebrate Martin Luther King Day, um, dream big. Martin Luther King ended his speech by, he said, he said that I dream of a nation in which my four little children will grow up and they will not be judged by the, the, the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Um, and I made a speech earlier today in which I said to people today is that that sounds great, but the problem that we have is that if we can't have a nation for them to dream up in, if they can't dream, they're not here to dream. But we got work to do, and we're going to do the work. So thank you guys for tuning into our podcast today. Thank you guys for paying attention. And on behalf of these families, and on behalf of 
um, every single one represented here at this table. Thank you for taking the time to hear this story.